Don't mind. But is that an enormous bong? Yeah, this is how I. Uh, is how you unwind after a long day? Oh my god! I didn't expect a blowtorch. I have to be honest. I um I I like to dive very deeply into hobbies. Obsessively deep into hobbies, some might say. Uh and a hobby that I picked up at some point in time, might have been some sort of lockdown or something. I don't know why uh I had the time, but I started taking um, some logs. Somebody in my neighborhood cut up a bunch of trees. And so I like drug a bunch of them over to my house. And um, I had this idea that I was going to uh, basically dig a hole into it that would be the size of a, of a pot that you might plant something in. And so it'd be like this totem pole that then had a plant growing out of it. And then I used the blowtorch to um, char the wood. And then I put stencils on it. And I bought myself a Dremel, which is a German tool. German what's a, made. What's a Dremel? A, dr- a, a Dremel. It's it's like a... Um, it's, got, it's got its name, but Dremel's the brand. It's like a, you can do anything. You can carve, you can cut glass, you can sand and make all these like little minuscule detailed things. So I, on these charred uh, stumps with plants growing out of them, I started, um, I started, uh, I started uh, putting some designs on them. And then it turned out when I had gotten to about five of them and they looked pretty beautiful, that the reason they were cut down was because they were infested with um, fungus gnats. And Ooh, I never one heard day of those when, before. Yeah, me neither. I really had never heard either. And then one day we were all sitting around we're like, oh, what the fuck is this? What is this? Uh, and it was these swarms of these weird clear bugs with little green booties. Oh. And uh, we were like, it's the logs. And we got <laughs> them out of here. So now they live in like this little... We live right next to a train track, which you might hear a train at some point. And now they live right next to, uh, right there. I don't know. It's it's kind of cute. You'll see it when I see you soon. Yeah, I'm going to be there really soon. And I, and I do want to see that. I just looked it up. The Dremel is a rotary tool. The Dremel 4000 rotary. It's a rotary tool. But I see what you mean. Yeah, I've seen these before. This is actually really handy. You can, uh, Yeah, I hadn't thought about what that was called before. Um, They're super handy. So let's let's talk a, a little bit, actually. So uh, like I've mentioned to people on the previous couple of shows, first off, Matt, I'm very honored to have you for the 100th episode of the show. Um, it's a little it's a little sad that we couldn't get Mo on this one, but uh, you know, say la vie. It's we're we're in different countries, and he's he's as busy as busy gets. Um, mm-hmm, but I'm very mm-hmm. glad to have you as a guest, and I explained it to people before, but the reason why 
while I'm on this trip, I'm interviewing friends and, 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 you know, peers and stuff who aren't immigrants is because for the time being, I can't really interview people who have moved abroad, except for whoever might just coincidentally be in New Orleans at the time. Um, because right. in this moment, I'm not really an immigrant right now. I'm back home. Well, so, you know, what I want to focus on while I'm here is the uh, is the first part of the title. Like there's it's artsy fartsy immigrants, but since I'm not really able to focus so much on the immigrant part just on this trip, I wanted mm-hmm. to take the opportunity to talk to people who are hella artsy fartsy like yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but aren't necessarily, you know, immigrants. So, um yeah, I, I, you know, you're a you're an you're an actor, you're a rapper, you're a you're a poet. Uh you're a creator, you've produced things, you've written things. You know, I know directed we've known each other things, for a... Yeah. You did what things? Uh, directed some Yeah, movies. you directed. That's right. Yeah, Mom, we have to talk about Mama's Little... I'm uh, a doodler. I'm a doodler. You're I'm your a doodler. drawer, that's true. I, I like to draw. But go um, on, I, I'm sorry. I just didn't want my list to not I was be wondering, enough. I was wondering how long it had been since you sat in front of someone who very awkwardly listed all of your accolades in front of you. It it doesn't feel awkward at all, and I actually am really enjoying it because, Dude, I mean, especially after lockdown, after yeah. lockdown, like we really, Jenna, my wife, and we have two kids, but Jenna and I, as artists, really grew in in an incredible way because we really realized like what we don't want to be doing and what we really want to be doing, yeah. and art has just become life. I Dude, I, I want I want I want to let you keep going with all that, but before we get too far, I I have to put in there that aren't we all immigrants <laughs> living in America? I was waiting for you to say that. Is that so cliche to say? No, it's mad. It's, so... it's as mad as it gets. You know, I mean, uh... it's just the truth. <laughs> it's true. No. Yeah, in in that sense, I could I could interview whoever I wanted because yeah, you know we've. We've all been immigrated to some well, place or I, another. Yeah, I think it would only be interesting if that person knew their family tree. DNA which you do now. Which you which do I now. I, I saw do. you. I see you setting yourself up for that. Yeah. Um, but before we get to your yeah, yeah, recent yeah. Um, obsession, maddening obsession, yeah, maddening obsession with your ancestry. Um, yeah, like like I said, you've you've done all these really cool things, and we met. I think 2011. Yeah, I was I, I was going to say 12, but it was definitely 10, 11 or 12. Something like 20s. that. Maybe yeah, 10 or 11. And yeah, I was trying to think of like how we actually Oh, met. I could tell you. I know tell how me. we met. I know how we met met. I knew of you because you were doing an improv group at the University of New Orleans that at right. the time we were both at. I dropped out fairly soon after getting there. After but you saw for, my show. <laughs> yeah, after I saw your show, I was like, this is not the place to be. <laughs> if this is what they have to offer. This is the um, best. This is the cream of the crop. <laughs> this is it. No, well, I boy. actually, to be honest, yeah, you were. I was impressed by you and Danny Abel together. The rest uh, of them can all, Danny all, is so all you know. Danny is so funny. Rotten hot dog but yeah dan is incredible <laughs> but um so i knew of you and i was starting to meet some film people all i did when i got to uno was i did a bunch of theater i did way too many drugs had a psychotic meltdown and had to drop out of school and get my shit back together so that i could be 
who I am, you know, years later. But before that psychotic meltdown, I knew that all of these filmmakers are very business-like and I don't want to be friends with them. All of these theater people are like very big, dramatic fish in a small pond, which is New Orleans. I don't really want to be friends with them. Oh, these musicians. These guys are cool. Oh, Jordan Prince. Oh, I like that music. So what I did, desperate as it may be, or just a smart move, was I started throwing house shows at a very dilapidated house that me and three other filmmakers were living in. And the very first house show, I I actually remember this, how I started to like ease my way in was I used to get very whiskey wasted back in those days. And I had gotten your number somehow. And I called you probably to talk about that show and left you like (laughs) a ridiculous drunken, um, ridiculous drunken, voicemail to which you said something on some sort of social media thing like highlight of my day is waking up <laughs> to a drunken voicemail from Matthew Martinez. I was like, all right, cool. Oh, he man, likes I would me, kill I like to hear that. Oh man. Oh boy. I wish saved, I still had that. Wow. I wonder, I feel like I've had the same iPhone for 20 years. And then, so what happened <laughs> yeah. was I, I threw a house party, um, and like posted it on social media, which I feel like you would never throw a party and just post it for the entire world of Facebook to come to your house, which I did. Because at the time, who gives a shit? And I, and I asked if your band, if I asked if, if I think the first one was Big Lamois. And this, this wasn't the one that was uh, filmed by Andrew. Mm, no, that okay. came down that was the line. Yeah, that was much the later. very first thing. And yeah, and they got that idea from me. Like, oh, wow, all these musicians. It was either like we did like a kind of an acoustic night where it was Jordan Prince acoustic with Sirens, now Hestina, um, uh, Michelle Osman, and Kimberly Vice. Um <laughs> And it might have just been kind of like that. And then we kind of kept it open mic from there. And then it was such a fun fucking time. Everybody loved it. We kept doing it. And we'd have Big Lamois. We had Galley Nappers play at an Endymion party. Oh, yeah. That was wild as hell. That's that's a really great memory, uh, the Galley Nappers stuff. For your listeners to understand, like, in New Orleans... We were on an avenue called Carrollton Avenue, which is a main strip, and it's, it's a very big like, road. Yeah, it it's basically a very c- big road. combines like a Esplanade right out of the French Quarter all the way uptown, all the way uptown, huge road, all the interstates, and then like that area of the parade. It's not a, it was it's kind of a sketchy thing to do in my thirties. Now with kids, I would never throw a house party right there and just let any old stranger walk in off the streets but at the time and it turned into this beautiful mix of like you know college bros that were at the parade to all of our artsy fartsy fucking friends Mm -hmm. to random drunks off the street just coming in to get some food and i remember we had a random drunk off the street come in and grab the mic and sing a song while galley nappers played i don't remember that it was a weird thing because then I got on the mic and started freestyling very aggressively towards this man that had come into my home 
which is like not cool because I'm the one that opened my doors for anyone to come in. But this weird thing came over me. Like I was upset that he came and stole the mic from you. And (laughs) it was just a very awkward, uh, incredible memory of mine. I think I do. I think I do remember this party. Was it the one? I know there's some pictures that Ben Dude, who, for those who know the Mm -hmm. show, he was on like four or five episodes ago. Um, He, he took some pictures from that party. I think, I wore a hat that had these like styrofoam teeth on the brim, looked like a, a dog or a dinosaur, and I had that's a, possible a tan shirt, and there was a projector behind us, right, that played yes. over our faces. Yeah, I do remember that. I remember that concert because those pictures I, want, I used to I them want, for yeah. things. I want you they, to believe yeah. that that was the Endymion one. That was not the Endymion one. That oh. was for Halloween. That I knew it. To, that was a Halloween yeah. one much later. He wanted okay. to make it spooky, so he took, uh, 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 you know, that movie with uh, Red Rum. Red oh, Rum, The Shining. The Shining, and he played it forwards, and then on top of that, he played it in reverse, and it was just kind of this very creepy, weird thing on y'all. Man, those were incredible parties. Dude, those early... Like those early twenty parties f- between the age for me between the ages of twenty, yeah, twenty and twenty four, mm-hmm. were single handedly the best parties that I've still ever even remotely yeah. been connected to at all. Yeah, like the best people, the best vibes, so much adventure happening at a party. So like much, you get pulled into like your friends is oh come here for a second and it pulls you into like a hallway and tells you some crazy story about something some person did or you know in our case someone's like yo someone just gave me these drugs of whatever variety and you're like oh that's oh that's crazy and you know that you're kind of secretive and it's like exciting and it, and it, and it kind of felt safe it felt, it felt safe so at the safe. same time because that was our house it was our place yeah, even and though everybody we, you spoke to, like, you're like, oh, that's Lee Garcia. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, he's that drummer. Oh, he's cool. Or like, right. oh, Ben Matheny. Oh, he's this actor, and you, you started right. meeting all these people. Um, I still, I still yeah. will meet people that, if for some reason we start talking about, it, they're like, oh yeah, the Carlton Banks parties. That's where I met so and so. Like, there are yeah. people in this arts community that I think. Yeah. Threw down at those parties. I was because it say, also was such a shithole. We were letting people do graffiti on the walls, and we were letting people like crazy do whatever they wanted in that place. So it was just art everywhere. That house. I mean, I have so many, so many memories connected to that to that first house on Carrollton. Not only these parties, but you know, you were part of this original collective. I guess I technically was too. Uh, EFI, which is, the, it was like a small mm-hmm. independent film collective started by a few people who were, you know, UNO students. Mm-hmm. And you were in there, I think I was in there as as a musician, you were in there as an actor, and we had this whole group of people who was like, all right, he's going to write, he's going to produce, you know, she's going to direct, whatever. Didn't you? Do you remember, I think the first, um, so for those who don't know, New Orleans every year has a 48-hour film fest. And you literally get two full days from agreeing to do it all the way to it needs to be a finished edited product. So yeah. you have conception, you have writers, you, you have a you know production team, you have to make your set, you have to make your story, act it, cut it, throw music on it. And I remember this one, I don't know if it was our buddy Mason Joyner who wrote one. Mm-hmm. We had so many friends in sense. that group, like Mason Joyner, Susan Gordon, 
Corey Dumas-Nil, Will Asin, of course, um, Lee Garcia, Danny Abel, all these people together who pushed and created. Uh, I, I worked on it. I think I, at least I did two with EFI. Maybe it was so like I, 2011, 12, or 12, 13. Yeah, I remember the very first one was called Five Stages of Dan. Were you on that one? Five ben, Stages ben, of yeah. Dan. Ben yeah. played five different versions of himself from like the past, present, future, and then like a female version of himself or, or a drag version. I just remember the title. Up, yeah. And we I just filmed the title. We, we went and filmed at the restaurant that I owned for some terrible reason oh you still had dockside at the time at that time i don't know that i was technically the owner because it was all a shady thing but i was i was working there because when i met you and started throwing that those shows that was post psychotic meltdown post dropping out of uno because i had my psychotic episode meltdown went back to work at this restaurant that my brother had uh, bought and with someone else's name on it because in Louisiana, if you get caught selling weed when you're a teenager, you can't technically own anything or vote. That's And now none of that is law anymore. Now it's just legal for the most part. I was going to say, wow. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, there's so much to get into as well because with... Um, and. And with and with this chapter of your life, I know it's 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 hazy and, and tricky, so we can always uh, cut things out later. But with Dockside, yeah, and, and and also I'll let you say in Dockside. But if there's any moments that I'm like taking us way off track, and it's like we don't need to go there, you cut me off. Feel free. No, 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 no. Um, but yeah, Dockside. You know that was always a really interesting chapter of your life. That I feel like I know a good a bit about it now, as you know, years have gone by, but. How did you, so like what Matt's trying to say, and I want you to tell the story yourself, of course, is like, sure. how did you end up at such a young age, basically being like the owner of a restaurant in- Yeah, running in, a, a restaurant. Where was it at? It. Uh, it was River Ridge? River Ridge. It might've been Harahan, but River Ridge and Harahan are like these very two connected little, um, I guess is that a suburb? I don't know. Basically they're- two three miles from new orleans if you just follow the river you get to these little areas that in the 1950s were farms and now people live there so how did you get wrapped up in so yeah this restaurant so what happened so was so my older brother who's 10 years older than me that's what he did starting at like 14 he started working in restaurant the restaurant industry Eventually, he became this like renowned chef and was like the youngest uh, sous chef at a very um, well-known fancy restaurant on Bourbon Street. And he was working 15-hour days every single day, getting paid a very good amount of money, but he started having kids and he started realizing, like, I don't ever see my kids. They're asleep when I get home. They're sometimes not even awake when I'm leaving for work. So I want, this is my brother, he wanted to own his own restaurant so he could make his own hours. And that was just always a dream of his, to own his own restaurant. And so he found this this 
restaurant called Dockside Seafood and Oyster Bar that had already existed for 30, 40 years before we got into it and it was up for sale and he asked a relative, uh, an aunt's, you know, second husband, I don't know if that makes it for me, an uncle, asked him if he would uh, be interested in investing because the guy had money. He said, sure, everything goes through, they're getting everything ready, Mark's going to own this restaurant, he's getting his team together, and that was when the local police were like, hey, so when you were 17, we caught you selling weed, but we didn't arrest you, so since we let you up there, we're not going to let you own a restaurant. And they were cool about it, they were like, so you're going to need to put somebody else's name on it. They just told him to do that? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the story comes from him, my okay. brother. So, so <laughs> okay. it's it's a any story told by anyone in my family is uh, we're all storytellers. So it, it 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 you know believe the core of it, but the uh, the uh, the details are always exemplified onto the wall. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I can imagine that. So what happened was he owned this restaurant and different people would be like, all right, I don't want to be the owner anymore. And they put it in someone else's name. Then I had around 1920, my first year of UNO. Uh, Long story short, went to a psychiatrist that put me on like uh, dangerous amounts of, of medicines for all these different sort of things and that is something that runs in my bloodline i have a a first cousin who is schizophrenic so but really i was just depressed like every other uh young adult in america i don't know i feel like maybe in europe maybe you all don't get no uh, it it happens it happens but i know what you mean like it's i think our generation especially was really slapped in the face by Enough reasons medica- to feel depressed yeah. and right. medications and as well. Farm, the pharmacy industry, we were the uh, we were the testers for that, and it just it, my my parents didn't know any better, and they sent me to this lady who I mo- I actually recently found out that she gets her license, her medical license revoked about every five years, and then gets it back another five years. Like she's kind of a wow. crook, and okay, she yeah. put me on. Uh, I basically went in there to be like, hey, I I. I feel, I feel like despair, like I'm in a dark hole and I'll never get out of it. Um, this is before I started college. And she said, okay, well, you're going to take Welbutrin, which is an antidepressant. You're going to take Abilify, which is a bipolar medicine. You're going to take Adderall to get you zoned in. And you're going to take Klonopin for when you want to go to sleep at night. And which oh maybe for somebody, maybe for somebody that could that could work. She said I was manic depressive, which I am pretty manic depressive. But what happened was she told a 19 year old or an 18 year old that had just moved out of his parents' house, start at this low dose, take it for a week, go up to the next dose, take that for a week, and keep going up until you feel like you've hit the exact right chemical. And maybe some people in other parts of the world or in earlier decades at 19 or 18 were grown-ass fucking men fighting in world wars. 
But for millennials <laughs> at 18 and 19, we're still little bitty uh, babies. Totally. And totally. so I was like, oh, yeah, Stunted. fucking right. I went to the highest level of every single one. and Immediately. For, uh, well, I, I did the week process, but once I got to the top of the top, I was like, hell yeah. And then so the psychiatrist who's a, a, a crook was like, like, she was like, oh, okay. So then eventually I started wigging out. And I'm telling her, like, like I'm hallucinating. I'm seeing things. I'm hearing things that aren't there. And she was like, you're schizophrenic. You need to up your doses of your medicines. Oh, my and God. because man. I have a first cousin who is schizophrenic and is homeless, and to, if we want to go there, is I see him in my neighborhood every so often because this is the neighborhood he grew up in. And he's just a homeless schizophrenic wanderer in the streets, and but he wouldn't recognize me if he sees me because his eyes are just zonked out. So because of of Al, my cousin, my family thought, okay, well, eighteen, nineteen, twenty—that's about the age when schizophrenia would set in. Matthew is schizophrenic, right? You had these Let's reasons be, to believe, like this right. is actually happening. This now. actually could be a real thing. Yeah, and so I I kind of kept it going like that for uh, maybe a year, maybe two years, um, and then it, the hallucinations stopped being fun. It used to be cool to be able to stare at a wall and the beams would bend, and you could feel like you're twirling them and bending them with your eyes, or it, it just it got bad to where I was hearing other I was hearing other voices messing with my head and then I started seeing actual terrifying things and I got like you know what fuck it all of this medicine and I just went off of all of it cold fucking turkey laid on my bed my sofa that I was living in in my first little apartment to myself for probably a month until my brother was like dude Come wash dishes for me at Dockside. Just keep your head down. All of these medicines this lady put you on are going to get out of your system. And you'll you'll find yourself again. You'll get yourself back. Well, that's what happened. I started washing dishes. I'm slowly getting back to who Matthew is before all of this, uh, all of this crazy medicine got put into my bloodstream um, for a couple of years. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, this is also in my bloodline to be a chef. I'm a Cajun as hell. My brother's a chef. My uncle's a chef. My grandfather was a chef. Like, let me get on the line. So then I start cooking and I'm like, oh, I'm really good at this. And so then after a year or two, I'm the head chef in this restaurant. Wow. That's running. crazy how that how that lines up from where you started from where I started to that and it's crazy. and I I still love to cook and I easily could have stuck with that path and and then eventually what happened was all the owners didn't want to be a part of it a choo choo train's coming I'm curious if it'll all play through but <laughs> hey <laughs> it sounds like you almost just had a hallucination there for a second <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I'm fine now I'm all right, fine so now then uh, check this out then I was head chef at a restaurant right and then the hold on and choo -choo then a choo train came right through <laughs> and then I flipped on the pancake to get upside to the clouds that would get me inside of the oil spot of the train and <laughs> and that 
And so then he, my brother came to me and he was like, look, we don't have anybody else that wants to own the restaurant. You have a clean record. Will you just put your name on it? I'll still be the actual owner, but the technicality will be no one will know, blah, blah, blah. And everyone in my life, my parents, my friends said, dude, do not put your fucking name on a restaurant. And at the time, I felt like I owed my brother to do that sure. because he really, he helped he, me get out he of He cleaned this. you up. He yeah. cleaned me up. And, and, and no one else really had the, uh, the answer for me at the time. No one else or, had taken, or, taken that step towards you and said, hey, something's wrong. Yeah, Let me help you. Yeah, people so, kind of you know. had their thoughts of what would help, but he, my brother well, had uh, just... It's understandable. Yeah. Like, you also have this doctor who no one knows is a quack yet. So they're right. thinking like, oh, well, you know, he does have that cousin, and the doctor is saying he's got to up the dose. So, right. you know, and poor right, Matthew. And right about the time that I just got off all that medicine, that doctor just disappeared. Wow. And it was like, I, th- I it was something crazy. Like, their secretary told us that... Uh, she had to go get a back surgery in Africa or something fucking bizarre. <laughs> what? So I I thought I As owed one this does. to my brother. And yeah, that's where you get a, a good back surgery is in Africa. It's a known thing. Don't <laughs> It's the best it. one. Of course. Um, and so I, I put my name on this restaurant. And then sure enough, the tax man called me the next day like, hey, I see you're the new owner. Uh, by the way, in uh, 2000 something, you didn't pay your taxes. And then so, so then I'm like owner of this restaurant for a year, maybe two, dealing with the IRS the entire time. A federal police officer kept calling me and then eventually oh, wanted to man. meet up with me because he thought it was like some shady shit. Like we had some sort of drug ring happening out of the back door or whatever. And and it came down to a moment where I looked at him and I said, what what would we even be doing and he said, well, I don't know. You tell me. And I said, I'll tell you that we're, I, I said, we're just two fucking idiots who thought we could run a restaurant <laughs> and it's burning to the ground right now. <laughs> and we all want out. And he believed me. And that was the truth. And then like, not that long after we sold that shit, got out of it and everyone moved on with their lives. And I went back to, Oh to, my uh, God, that's hilarious. To the world of acting, which I knew. At, at that time, before I knew I was going to get out of the restaurant, I had gone from the schizophrenic mess to clean to a very serious um, opiate addict that I lived with a, a, a drug dealer that would sell um, very strong painkillers. And I just was miserable and would live my life working 15 hour days in a restaurant with very pirate-esque people uh just hardly would eat went down i weigh 175 pounds that's my like normal weight i was 115 pounds i was just like this is me fuck it i'm a drug addict that runs a restaurant i don't give a shit you just accepted it i just accepted it yeah and thank god uh Thank God it didn't didn't happen, and that's how things are supposed to happen. But man, that's that crazy, is man. That that's is such, such a, a, a life. Ride. Yeah, that's such a lifetime ago. It's, yeah, I mean, you were you were pretty much. I mean, I didn't know that at the time I met you at the EFI house that you were still like connected enough to Dockside for people could shoot the forty eight hour film there. I didn't know that. 
Right. At that point in time, I wasn't the technical owner, but I was running the kitchen. So it was easy enough. I had the keys to the place. Yeah. Crazy. I thought by the time that we met, that was already done. But I guess when I first met you, you were still, you were still there. When was, do you remember like the last year that you finally said, okay, I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. It's over. When we sold Dockside, man. Do you think it was like 2012? No. How old were we in 2012? I was How old are you right now? 31. How old are you right? You're 31. I'm 33. Um, I met Jenna when I was 25. So I was like 24. So, so 33. Uh, so you're two years 24. older. So it was, uh, so nine yeah, 2012. Yeah. Right, man. If I, if I was if I was t- 2012, I was 22. You're two years older. What so year are we in right now? 2022. 2022. So I turned 32 this year. No, yeah. So it was 2013 okay, that we sold okay. Dockside, if not 2014. Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, fucking wild, wild story. It's a great. It's a great. Dude, story. 2013, man. We were like full on connected as friends by 2013 and i had no idea you were still at dockside you always talked about it in the past tense i know yeah what's bizarre is like because when we were like super super duper buddy buddy all the time you were working at rue and i was landscaping yeah Yeah, that was your thing you were a landscaper and an actor like that's all that you ever and so maybe that was your thing right so i had just gotten out of the restaurant and wanted a job working outside, so I started landscaping. That's crazy. Okay, okay. So, so you left Dockside, and then you you had quit school. So when like <clears throat> you had these friends, you had these connections in New when Orleans. Did, when did things start popping off? Yeah, like you know, you you ha- well. First off, have you always? I guess not, because you just said that you had a phase where you believed. Not now, I'm a drug addict who runs a restaurant. But was there a time? Where you were, you told yourself, you know, one of these epiphany style moments where you're kind of looking in the mirror or out to the stars and go like, man, I really, really want to be an actor. Yes. And did you, how long have you? Sure. Yeah. I've known I was going to be an actor. I, I did theater in high school and, and loved it and was lucky enough to have this theater director who had come to our school from Broadway he was like this child. He was a he was an immigrant from um, uh, from Guatemala or something like that, and and he came to America, North America, was a dancer and started winning these uh, contests that eventually put him on a Broadway play in New York as part of the dance entourage or whatever you call that and from there he had these bigger roles on broadway all as a teenager and then came to the school the high school that i went to and did theater as an 18 year old man to be their first year of their school opening theater director and he was this this like incredible to say it short and quickly like there was the uh uh, United States uh, competitions that high schools would go put on plays and stuff, and it would be this this thing: best best monologue, best play, best this, oh, best really? that. And they won something silly like ten years in a row, and they actually asked them 
a few years before I started going there, like, hey, do you guys mind sitting out uh, some of the uh, s- some of the things? Some of the competitions? Yeah, I'm sorry. One second. Bruh. What's going right. on? What was that about? Dude, so Noah is a five-year-old. He's about to be a six-year-old. He's going through some stuff in school, and he's just been super emotional lately. And we also have a one-year-old. And sometimes at bedtime lately, he gets like... He he just gets wild as hell because he's so tired and he gets so wild and he pushes and pushes and pushes until mama has to yell at him. And apparently there was something that happened where her elbow bonked him in the face or she hit oh, him okay. or something. <laughs> um, she just showed him, you know, who's boss. And- right. And so that's why he was crying <laughs> frantically. And I'm in my my garage which i guess no one see can see but it's super cool it's um, actually it looks really really cozy have you not seen it i was in there one one time and in this uh when i had my breakdown visit in june last year <clears throat> i was there uh one time i came with <clears throat> sorry i came with i uh, no, no. what well, i stayed there i stayed at your house oh uh, that's right yeah and the garage was nothing like it is now yeah, I just saw it, just it like uh, Jenna was doing laundry in there, so I came yeah. out with you and we have this um, like incredible uh keyboard, big ass keyboard that my sister's school was just throwing away because they thought it didn't work, but really they just needed to plug it into a power <laughs> source. And so she was just like, Yeah, go ahead, take it. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um I think the I think what we were talking about is that you yeah, you had done theater in high school and you'd loved it. And you had this teacher. Yeah, if you don't mind, I'm going to um, take a little bit of uh, vitamin C. You got to stay healthy. I mean, as a parent, especially around all these kids going to school. I have so many friends who are dads now. Uh, Still not as many as I'd like. (laughs) It feels like when you're a parent, you, you just seem to realize everyone who isn't. And you know that best of all because you were the very first one in our friend group who was a parent, and uh, you must have felt that for a really long time. Well, as the only only guy, you're the only, I'm the only other one from that original group, right? Yeah, and even still, like out of the artists that we're friends with, um, my sweet sweet sister from another um, another mother and father, although <laughs> both being Cajuns, we could easily be related. Julie O'Dell. Um, right. Julie over O'Dell, the past yeah. years have become very, very um, close friends. She's, she's an extremely talented singer-songwriter. I'd love to uh, have yeah. her on sometime. Uh, I, could, I could pick her brain about her some stuff. She's really uh, great. Man. And yeah, if y'all haven't heard Julie O'Dell's music, you definitely yeah, big recommendation there. Go to yeah, Julie I E and then O D E L L. She's she's really something else, man. I'm I'm just yeah. waiting for the day for that to really. I thought she would have popped about five years ago, actually. Yeah, well, she had a kid, and having kids puts things on hold. But she did recently sign to a um, a really good manager, and she has an incredible album that is coming out soon. 
and she actually will be in France. Oh, she playing some shows in abroad. November. Yeah, she she's got a little European tour about to happen. Would you look at that? Oh, maybe. Well, yeah. maybe I can contact her. You know, you have her number. I'm guessing, right? Hell yeah. Maybe I. Well, maybe you're I coming. Can get, to, yeah, I was gonna say I'm coming. Number. I'm coming there. I'm, I'm coming there in uh, a couple, another week or two. But um, <clears throat> maybe I get. I'll steal her number from you and ask her if, when she's in Europe, if she wants to. Um, yeah, the for show sure. No, we're, we're, we'll bring that up while you're here, anyways, because I'm sure <clears throat> she would love to hear all kinds of uh, tips about where to play while you're in Europe. Oh man, I, you know that's my a friend of mine wrote me this girl Catherine that I worked with at this uh, elementary school, uh, and she she wrote it was kind of a funny feeling. She wrote me a few days ago. And she said, "Hey, uh, I hope you're doing well. We haven't caught up in a while." Um, I I have a date coming. I forgot to write her back actually, but she's like, I have a date coming up, and uh, you you would be the person I would know, who might know like what shows are going on. I want to see a concert, like what's happening. And honestly, I feel like I've never been more outside the loop oh, yeah. than I am right now. You know, like oh, two years of nothing. You know, yeah. and then like you know, like you know, like you said, then, family slows everything yeah. down. <clears throat> so I don't know anything that's going on. What's the wildest thing about being an artist in any field, whether it's film and TV or music, music, is that when you're in those stages of keeping humans alive, which it's so stupid that they come out so soon, like a fucking elephant comes out and can walk. A human comes out and it takes yeah. a fucking year to learn how to stand. They don't on know its own how to feet. do. They can't even blow their nose, man. They You're still like, ah, oh, clear out your sinuses. Yeah, fucking <laughs> figure can't. out the problem and get it together, you selfish, worthless little larva. What the fuck? Get your shit together. Grow up. Learn already. Right. God. But yeah, it 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 puts it puts shit on hold, and that's what a lot of people, a lot of artists, don't have kids. I think because of the fear of it putting what they uh, see as their trajectory as an artist, and it does. It one hundred percent changes changes everything. But if you're an artist and that's what you'll be, you will always be that, and you just. I don't know if I found my way or it just all the pieces fell into place. But Jenna and I both as artists have figured out how to uh, make it not only work, but thrive. And we're still figuring it out. But, you know, of course, of course, yeah, yeah. we pat ourselves on the back every so often when we're like so exhausted from raising a six year old who acts like he's. 30 years old because he grew up around a bunch of artists who talked to him like he was a grown man. Yeah, and man. Your son has got the funniest way of talking of dude, any kid his age I've ever met. His, I had to talk to his teacher because he got, he got kind of in trouble about a little thing that happened um, very recently. I talked to her earlier tonight and one of the things she was like, he has a very, he has a very mature sense of humor. And she was like, I don't mean he curses or makes dick jokes. She was like, his sense of humor is just like, that's even how it was when he was in this little preschool. Like the two grownups that ran this little six kid thing in their backyard and growing vegetables and shit, hippy dippy stuff. 
They were like, dude, Noah cracks jokes that make us laugh, and these other little stupid larvas are like, oh, we don't get it. <laughs> but that's what happens when you're raised around a bunch of uh, storyteller storytellers. What do you uh, What do you imagine Noah's gonna do, man? Uh, prof- professionally, he he really is going to have the potential to do a lot of things, and it's not at all even me just being a proud dad, because um, he definitely like he won't be a football player it's not like yeah he's gonna be a big he's strong yeah well. <laughs> he he no i don't see that I don't see he that wants to be an actor and inside i'm like please don't be a fucking actor it's so right so much uh so you don't much, want the competition uh, collection yeah i don't want the competition <laughs> but yeah exactly <laughs> he, he's just been he's just been saying that for a while and like he memorizes sure. my lines and shit like that and he actually is that's sweet. Really good at it. His little kindergarten theater teacher pulled me aside to say, "Hey, I don't say this a lot. Like my kid, I'm a theater like I, I'm an actor and my husband's an actor. Our kid can't do shit if he's standing on a stage, but your <laughs> son like actually move my mic. Actually knows how to take direction and he just there's something special about that because he's been around he it knows. so much. Yeah, since, yeah. Since he was little, I could see. Th- I could really see that for him. I, th- I think uh, I, you know, Iris is still a mystery, of course. And with ours, it's the same feeling. Where uh, I told a buddy of mine back before they were born um, what was going down. They're like, "Hey, by the way, this is happening." Yeah. And he, he's he's like one of my oldest friends from high school, and he was like. You know, with a with a screenwriter, uh, mom and a, like a musician entertainer, uh, dad. That's gonna be the, like the two like the coolest pair of of kids in the whole world. And I said, well, actually, we kind of believe that they're gonna like think we're big losers and go right into accounting. And they're like, right. dude, the two coolest accountants you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny because I have said before, like, I just hope he's an accountant. And somebody Just to be a really banker, boring. Rake it in. Rake it thing. in and he buy that a house. <laughs> right. He won't be. He might be an accountant or a banker, or they might. Your kids might be accountant, but they'll be fucking cool. <laughs> so much cooler, dude. I, I meet kids. Wait till your kids are in school and you meet these other kids, and you're like, you fucking dweeb. You're such a loser. <laughs> the fuck out of my kid's face. <laughs> oh my god that's yeah, a whole nother be... world once you start have once your kids start making friends and then you have to meet those parents and what, it's what are like, the parents like that you that you may are they mostly cool or do you find a pe- the people that you get stuck with? i like, oh, i man. straight up have left the house when noah made a friend that he made a, this is before he was in school made a little friend at a playground the parents wanted to try to make it be a thing and they were so probably lovely people but they were so boring that (laughs) they came to our house while their kids played and the four of us me and jenna and the the woman studied egyptian temples which that was extremely interesting 
And then the dad was just like, oh. And it was so hard <laughs> that I couldn't stay. And I actually faked a phone call and said, guys, I got to go uh, help somebody with some kind of something, blah, 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 and left. And left oh, Jenna man. with them. And then <laughs> That's came hard, home that man. night. And Jenna was like, yo, bro, you just left me with them. And she was like, and I knew oh, you were man. lying. You just <laughs> left me with them. And I was like, I'm sorry. I just... I refuse to it. like I refuse to uh foster and grow friendships with people I don't want to be friends with just because our kids want to be friends. Right. Right. I I feel so lucky that um the the most dedicated listener of the show actually besides my mom is a, a good friend of mine. Shout out to you Moritz. Uh hey, and Lawrence. he is Lawrence, no Moritz, Moritz. Moritz? Oh, Moritz. <laughs> Yeah, not Mo Bat, not the uh, not the uh, yeah. producer, not the co-host, yeah, but I know Mo. there's another Moritz who is uh, originally met like I met him through Ify. He's also a screenwriter. Hell yeah, hell and, yeah, Moritz. He's he's Am I hella. Um, yeah, Moritz. Okay, yeah, M- more like Moritz Bart. Cool. <laughs> Moritz, so what? Like Moritz, he's got, he's got kids. He's got kids. Yeah, he's got two beautiful, wonderful little girls and. Uh, I'm I'm really lucky that he he and I are good friends and and that our families are good friends because, you know I don't know how the kids will click I hope they I really hope they do because I want that to be like a bond where we can like take vacations together right. down the road and stuff. Um, but that's What's like the, age the only. His oldest, uh, I hope he forgives me for not maybe getting it perfectly right. I think his oldest is three. Yeah, you don't have to get that right. Between one and seven is like... Is a blur. Either, yeah, they're a larva. <laughs> they are obnoxious. Or no, they're a larva, then they're cute, then they're way too much. And then from then on out, you got to memorize the, uh, she, the she's <laughs> She's either three or she's six, and I'm way behind. Uh, and then he has um, an, another another little girl who is about a year, a little less than a That's year. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. And and those so little that, girls that are going to... should sync up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they're going to love, like, playing with your uh, little Oscar and Lainey and, 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 you know, being... Especially the younger of, of Moritz's kids are going to love playing big sister to your kids. Because that's what his His oldest especially. She's she's a hoot, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, but yeah, that's like, you know, very lucky that there's at least one family friend that, that will link up because I know it's like you say, when they start going to school and stuff, you're going to have to meet the other people and you can just only hope that they're cool. I'm so anxious about that because being in Germany, you know, I'm going to have to hope that whoever I get matched up with for park dates or play dates or sleepovers are people that are cool enough to maybe want to speak English, which is so biased of me, but I don't know. Of course, I know that I have to get better at German and and, and, and be more confident with it, but there's something about being trapped or or stuck or or put together with people that, especially if they just kind of, if they have this attitude of like, ah, but come on, you know, you're here, let's do it. Then I I don't like the challenge. You know, yeah, yeah, the the challenge of of meeting your kids' friends' parents is a challenge enough. Trying it's to enough have a, a conversation, yeah. even if you speak the same language. 
What you what you doing there? Sorry, I'm trying to figure out the uh, the charger on this laptop. I have it here. I'm just grabbing. I'm grabbing the wrong cords. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but no, we we got a, we got a little off topic there. But basically, um, yeah, you knew since since high, theater high school that you you wanted to do that. I think I never really asked you who and then this is probably a really boring question but it's my show mm-hmm. uh it's like who is a handful of, of actors like current or past that you know really get under your skin where you are so in, in anticipating their projects and that i love them right you just um, love them yeah yeah for sure uh nick cage right off the that top. makes so much sense yeah, Nick Cage. Let me plug this charger in real quick. Nick Cage, uh, Willem Dafoe. That makes a lot of sense, too. Um, yeah. I think he's the, probably one of the greatest actors ever. Yeah. Anything Christopher Walken says in, I definitely will. This is the best list. <laughs> right. Christopher Walken, Nick Cage, John Travolta. <laughs> John Mi- Travolta. Mickey Rourke. Um. <laughs> definitely... Um, and then, like, yeah, like Robert De Niro and uh, Al Pacino, of course, because I, I'll, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big sucker for, uh, for all of uh, those uh, Italian the monster big... movies, all the um, Scorsese ones he did with them and stuff. Of course, of course. I Do you like that movie Heat? I have not watched Heat enough. I watched Heat when I was a young boy, and I think that i liked it at the time i think it went over my head but it's not something mm-hmm. i'm very glad that you brought that up because i'm gonna go watch it and Dude, rewatch I have to it say, 10 more times <clears throat> i had always always heard about heat and i had never seen it and then last year um i guess it was early last year uh it was one of the last times i remember having the house to myself for a weekend and I always took advantage of that. I, it was always my movie weekends, and I'd watch all the stuff. I love that. That if he doesn't like, you know, I'd watch the whole right. John Wick trilogy and yeah. uh, Lord of the Rings, whatever deluxe edition, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And finally, one weekend, I was like, you know what? I haven't seen. I haven't seen Heat, and I love Pacino. I love De Niro. I think it's a Michael Mann film. I was like, oh, Val Kilmer's in this. This this could be really cool. And I put it on, and I cannot remember like loving a movie so quickly oh wow it's so good oh wow and i, I can't believe it was it. no it was so i, I i'm so surprised that no nobody it, it didn't win anything it just just kind of came and went right but it's like de niro is so um restricted and so subtle and so controlled yeah. in that movie and then you got pacino who is like playing the perfect Pacino, right. you got that scene where he he says like uh, she's got a big ass and your head's right up it. That's hysterical. <laughs> I don't remember any of that, but that was a great Pacino uh, <laughs> uh, thing. Yeah, you know what you just made me think of? Also, John Goodman. Oh, John yeah. Goodman and uh, uh, John Totoro. Oh, great. Yeah, great choices. John Goodman, what you made me think of talking about control, John Goodman and the Big Lebowski, every single breath that he takes is mm-hmm. fucking gold. Dude, he's so great in that. Dude. Do you do you think uh, you have more of a, 
a, like a leading man vibe or would you rather be like one of the greatest uh, character actors? You know what's funny is that so when I, I I just to get us up to this point, we were saying I did theater in high school, jumped into acting and film in college, had my meltdown, went to work at the restaurant and thought fuck it, I'll never be an actor again. When I dropped when I got out of that, somebody was like, "Dude, you're a fucking actor. Get back into it." got me an agent and I held on to that agent way too long. She bless her heart was like, got me some things, but just wasn't getting me. She wasn't in the same state as me. And then right before the pandemic hit, I signed with Rebecca Davis of the crew collective who manages second line stages, which is one of the biggest stages in new Orleans that films happen and she's just been managing it for years so i've been seeing her for 12 years going in for auditions and the vibe was so right it was so perfect i knew immediately like all right shit's gonna start popping off with her and right away things were popping off and then the pandemic hit lockdown so then we just kind of kept mm-hmm. close throughout it but since then i've been very happy with the work that i'm getting but to bring us back to what, what you just asked. Yeah, it was good to recap because we did miss that. Yeah, 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 for train. sure. But originally when I got with her, I said, I'm not a leading man. I'm a, I'm the villain in the movie. I'm the, the character in the movie. And now I'm starting to realize that I actually, when you get to know who I am as a very, as an actual human person, am not evil. And no, not when at you all. like kind of really look into my eyes, you're like, oh, you're too nice. So like if it was a villain type of character, it'd have to be somebody that is also struggling with the villainous shit they're doing. Um, yeah, nuanced, nuanced villain. I So I guess when I say like, oh, I could play the leading man is if the leading man is a character. Right. That and that's sense? perfect that you have like Walken and Cage right good men like because they are big boisterous characters exactly they're never just themselves and they are at the same time but but yeah that's where i would like to see myself um uh, progressing towards willem dafoe yeah man he's kind of someone who i think slithered pretty he still does it pretty seamlessly in between a supporting strong like intense character that's what you just made me think of you know like for example with the role he plays let's just say in grand budapest hotel right uh over into something that's like demanding and intense like the lighthouse and then back into uh side characters i want to say something like platoon yeah and then back oh yeah you know he snakes in and out or like the lars von trier film uh uh, not melancholia, but Antichrist. Right, oh, goes into yeah. something like really nuanced and subtle and artistic like that, and he's just the greatest. You know what <laughs> is my favorite Willem Dafoe, uh, bit part? You know, day player side role is there was a movie called Existence. I don't know that like one. Like existence, but with a Z. It was a uh, it was a sci-fi movie that came out in 1999, and it had Jude Law, and um, Jude, oh, it was a David Cronenberg movie. Oh, really? And it really? had Jude Law, and then Jennifer Jason Lee, Jennifer Jason Lay, um, 
I don't know. She's yeah. just this Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so, great. Yeah, it's this it's like this incredible sci fi movie, but Willem Dafoe plays this gas station clerk in it and it's just it's so good. It's so Oh good. man. So yeah, I would even, I, those it, are the roles <laughs> I want. It, in on the t- on the poster, it, it even says uh, it says all the names, and then it says and Willem Dafoe as Gas. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that was probably their big selling point because I think it was early in Jude Law in, um, and um Jennifer Jason Lee Jennifer Jason Lee's maybe I, I could be wrong. Yeah, that's a great Man, one. Play that's it, a great live one. it, kill for it, dude. Out of like out of sci-fi movies. If you said, "All right, I never heard what of sci-fi this. movie are we gonna watch right now?" and not be like blown away, like as if you're watching, um, uh, uh, what, what, like what the was Matrix or something, the Matrix, right? But just enjoyable from beginning to end, and it's very weird worlds you go into. Um. So yeah, so tell, what tell we, me a little bit. Tell me a little bit about uh, Mama's Little Bus Driver. So yeah, those are so we. There's Mama's Little Bus Driver and Mama's Little Orphanage. Those are mm-hmm. um, some short films that I wrote and directed. And I, I really, I was an actor, but I, I was always a writer. I just never went to film school and never. And I, I thought in our early days, like because the University of New Orleans, because kids getting out of film school have that exact mold and language that they have to work in or else you know does that make sense like when you get older you find these structures into the yeah and when you get older you find really great film sets is a hodgepodge of people that are just like yeah i i some went to a lot went to film school and some just learned to make movies and you learn the lingo uh, on your way and just like at any job yeah right and so really i made mama's little bus driver out of like a i had just had noah noah martin noah was was uh one i think he was a one-year-old and i was feeling stagnant and was like i need to one i need to do something and i had this idea in my head that had been there for years and also i need to prove to this group of friends that that are all making short films together that hey even though i didn't go to film school like i can make a moment in time encapsulated in a movie in my own voice and in my own way and so we made mama's little bus driver which is really thrown together but it's a extremely absurd world um, how, how would you describe if someone, if you were trying to explain the genre? I, if I had to say, or the style, genre, maybe that's the style. I would say, because yeah. it it does blend a lot of things. Yeah. Well, it's definitely like when you when you wrote it. When you wrote it, what was the was the point of like I want to make people laugh, or was it I want to just I, create was, something artistic? You know what or? it was? It was I wanted to make something that somewhat showed the perspective someone who is schizophrenic or heavily bipolar manic i wanted to create something that showed their perspective on what we call reality and 
and that to me was what it was i was i was making it could have been any piece of art i decided it was going to be a short film and i was going to make a story of this schizophrenic man who was played by Ben Matheny. I think his character in Mama's Little Bus Driver was Buddy. And it was a right. grown man who's dressed like a kid who's talking straight to the camera as though it's like this, this, um, this like documentary Mr. Rogers. Style. Yeah, it was like a Mr. Rogers show on acid. And yeah, Mr. Rogers is better. Yeah, yeah, and he has like this bus he made in his backyard and... And his head, he, it's a real bus, and he's a bus driver, and he has these actual guests or uh, patrons that come onto his bus that he's made who are really just figments of his um, his hallucinations. And, and there were some different little themes that were trying to be pushed in there about kind of when you're in that state of mind it it also was pushing how I, I was grappling with as an artist, can you make art if you're stable? I had this thought oh. that I have to be manic. I have to be schizo. I have to be depressed. I have to be pulling from this well of, of sadness to create art because at the time that's all I knew. And Jenna, my wife, who we had a one-year-old with who is totally in the light of life and makes beautiful art was trying to show to me at the time you don't you can be if 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 making art of any form is inside of you it doesn't matter if you're at the bottom pit of despair or if you are appreciating every moment of life but it is something that you have to get used to. You have to get used to just like having kids and still making art. If you go from being at the bottom bottom pit of despair and that's how you made art to then make art while being happy is like you have to learn it's a There's it's an a, adjustment there's period an adjustment there. Period. So that was kind yeah. of and so But that's good advice. That's good you, advice from her part too. Oh. You know, to say that no creativity needs to be locked down from one perspective that if it's in the you, it's going to get made 100, either and, way. And, and yeah, and you could totally say that the greatest artists of our times, not all of them. Not, not everybody's a Hemingway type, you know? Yeah, I don't even know. What what was he, just a, a drunk pervert? <laughs> I don't know about, maybe he was a pervert, but uh, like a drunk depressive, you know, killed himself. Right. I, yeah. That's what I thought of. Like Da Vinci, like, like, wait, not Da Vinci, who Van who, Gogh, right? Van Gogh. Yeah. Like he was schizo. He was bipolar. He was, and he'd never yeah. like, yeah. Like if that type of artist were able to stabilize and then keep making art it would change their art but it would still be this beautiful art not to yeah. even for a second compare myself <laughs> to van gogh but those were like the those were like <laughs> the themes in my head but when you watch the movie it is the best uh thing anyone's ever said after watching mama's little bus driver was they looked over and said what is wrong with you 
That's amazing. And that was like, that was, at the time, that's what I wanted people <laughs> to watch that and think, what the fuck? And then we went over. I think over, it's great. Yeah. I love it. I love it. it I love it, man. Yeah. It's it's like a great, do, is that on YouTube for people to watch? It isn't, but I'm going to put both of them up. I was going to uh, ask because, uh, you know, for this, anything that you want to link uh, to put in the show notes, you should send me because if if Mama's little bus driver is somewhere on some link like Vimeo or well, yeah, YouTube, then uh, we can they, put it in the link. Yeah, there's definitely both Vimeo links um, that are private, but I'm gonna go ahead and after okay. this, I'm, I'm gonna make them um, public and, and and just start my own. What do you make a Vimeo page like you would make a YouTube page? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I never made one, but I imagine it's because that, that's what I need to do. I need to have my own space where my creations are um and then mama's little I, orphanage. I always thought you should have a like your own youtube channel right and i would you like know. to do that but if they are vimeo links what is that an ordeal where you just have to well turn who, them who into has YouTube the vimeo links? pages uh bruno, there, are they bruno doria work light just check to see if they're um well i guess you should they're not. They're not Ask like. Him, but. You, well, of course, they're not. He would give them to me. They're not. I was gonna you say, just download them. You can't easily. go on his Vimeo and uh, find them. We never uh, release guess, them. Yeah, for I mean, they're your. Say. They're your babies, so you can just say, "Hey, I'm gonna download these from the Vimeo link oh, and yeah, put them on YouTube." And then most recently, we shot it right before the pandemic. Edited it during the pandemic was mama's little orphanage and that was like production that was wise, a step up that was a step up and Dude. that movie we i submitted it to new orleans film festival and it played there and then i just didn't care to submit it anywhere else but it definitely um i think you should have man it, it's definitely a huge um like professional accomplishment. Yeah. Like step oh, for up, sure. You know? And like the crew, like what we built was just incredible. The set, the set was, was so incredible. I mean, we had a, a wall, a, a wall of TVs, uh, 20 TVs by seven. I think the stack was, um, unbelievable playing, playing art, archive footage, home videos of people ranging from the thirties to uh the nineties. Like we had we went yeah, and got these old reel to reel shit to digitize. And that was the kind of the story of that was these grown men who are stuck as childs in their old orphanage that they lived in and mama no longer existed, but in their madness, mad scientist way they had figured out a way to to turn VHS tapes into somewhat sentient beings to where if I had Bobby Charles home video and I had Tommy Lee and that's a real person though uh, home video they could I was say Bobby Charles is too <laughs> yes yeah, so Bobby Charles? he's a musician <laughs> oh crazy he's also a bartender at BJ's um uh but they could if they had like a John Doe tape or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, right. They had this weird way of finagling these tapes through this crazy thing we built, and they were able to play them on two separate TVs. And those two little kids who maybe had died seventy years ago could interact somehow through the TVs to the each other. Uh, and then the whole plot of the movie was these two boys 
trying to make a tape of themselves to go play it in front of their deceased mother so that they could say hi to mama. Um, and that it's really sweet, man. It's a really heartwarming story, actually. Yeah, yeah. Bus driver ends very dark, and Mama's orphanage ends very sweet. And so we might we might get to making more Mamas in the in the future. It's definitely like I would I would yeah. love that, man. It's it's your passion project. Yeah, yeah. I think I love that should it. keep going. It, it would get very uh, revamped. Just we we had the same cast for the both the first two, and it's just those those guys we're not very um we don't really work together anymore and i think it would just get changed to where the casts were more interesting the three or who you know mama or whatever it is um but the i think i have figured out that that something that i feel very closely tied to is what it is to be schizophrenic or mentally unstable, especially in the United Snakes of America, um, <laughs> because the schizophrenics and the mentally unstable here are not taken care of. They the no, the homeless uh, are actually surprisingly really taken care of in New Orleans. They've given they all have very nice tents that the city of New Orleans has given them. And when there's a freeze or a storm, they make sure they go round them up and bring them all to a shelter for that overnight. And they just let them be. And there's like an odd respect between the homeless population in New Orleans and uh, New Orleans Police Department and the city of New Orleans that, that I've never seen in other cities. They're not really treated as... Uh, I didn't even know that about the tents and the shelter driving. That's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is. I, I worked on something recently that the um I don't know who it was in the van ride over to the set from LA was like like I am astounded at how well he was like, Y'all have like city owned trash cans like by like if there's a row of seventy five tents there's a trash can every 10 tents and the city of new Orleans is going and taking the trash out. Like they, they understand, I guess that they can't solve the homeless problem, but the least they can do is, is treat them like human beings. Like the people they are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really good. Yeah. I almost, I, I only feel tied to the mentally unstable who become homeless because my, cousin who I grew up with is not being taken care of and I see him but he's also aggressive and violent so I can't help him even if I wanted to um so that so it makes that, you think about that, that yeah. yeah it makes me think about the homeless but the schizophrenia because I went through a phase of medicated induced schizophrenia which I consider myself manic depressive 100% and could easily be pushed into a schizophrenic um, state of mind. So I, 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 I yeah. can relate to it all. And the last thing I'll say on all of that is there is a place in the mental world of someone who is 
schizophrenic or bipolar or manic depressive that when you are having an episode, you feel like I can't go out into the public because I can't show myself to the public because they won't accept me and that will be that will crush my soul. But at the same time, I need to go around people to remind me, to help me get back my feet back down on earth. And so it's this it's this ugly cycle of not being able to get out. And then eventually for some that phase passes and then you kind of if you're lucky like myself, you have very close friends who know you and know to kind of be nurturing towards you and and I can openly say to my friends I'm coming out of this this phase and they'll know like it's like with any any anyone that can be boiled down to the most simple thing of having a very close friend that you can say I've been super bummed for a week and when you come out of that shell, they're not yeah. like, hey, let's talk about how happy and wonderful life is or whatever. I, I know, know exactly that feeling. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's I think that's always something that we found in our friend groups was that we were always able to communicate what we're going through without bias or without reciprocation. And, and it's or without repercussion, I mean, and right. just having them not just try and bury it and say, like, well, come on, well, the, you're over it. It's all fine now. But more of like. How, what do you need? What do from you need? Me? Yeah. What do you need? Yeah. And that's yeah. so much more uh, important. And that was Dude, huge. Um, that was huge. Uh, I'll say one more thing on this. That was huge for like when I met you and then you introduced me to Vivi and and Matt and that group because mm-hmm. I was raised in like a lot of men, I guess, around the world uh, to not cry and, and, and not show right. your feelings. And to meet this group of friends that were so all about feelings. all about your feelings and your emotions, and it makes it so that you can I don't I want to say get them out of the way, but that's not what I what like I'm, face them and accept them face and them and accept dis- them you know? move to the next thing exactly you can't yeah. grow until you face that shit which is funny because I was I, always very I, yeah, yeah I'm sorry I, I I recently one of my things one of my tricks in my bag of acting that I've been wanting to obtain and I've been working on it is to be able to cry on command and I was in a film recently that the scene made me realize what it is abandonment that made me cry and I was like wow this is happening I can cry in this this these scenes and then sing Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you when the scene is over? Because of like friends like you and the group that I had that that and my wife Jenna really, who who pointed out to me that because I had I had a whole group of friends prior to my real friends that when I started having schizophrenic episodes abandoned me basically you know they 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 right right because they didn't understand it or whatever it is i have no blame or anything for them but i work through that enough to where now i know okay if i'm in a on set and i want to cry on command um i can just think of what i i can just hold on to that feeling 
or that old fear of mine of being abandoned for being a a a mess of any sort and just kind of hold on to that and eventually just natural uh tears can come out but because i've worked through it and i'm past it it's not like then they're saying cut and then i'm a fucking emotional and then you're suffering right but yeah. it's like a it's like a well that's there that now you have the strength to be able to tap into yeah. and then release from. Yeah, it's a wild thing. And I've always that's, heard that's from other like actors my... like like yeah, I just think about my kids dying and then I cry and I'm like that doesn't do it for that's me. That's horrible. That's hard, man. Yeah, that's rough, but it would just wouldn't it's, do it. I think it it's for healthier. Me. It's it's healthier to have this thing that you can you can, you know, tap into in a healthy way. And that's right. something that I always loved about our our friend group is is this ability to uh like, even if we don't talk as much, uh, the, the you know all of us collectively as we as we used to a few years ago, there's still this sort of thing of like not quite letting go, you know, enough. Right. Like it's still still like wondering, even if we don't write each other or call each other, still wondering like how are they? Kind of right. like, I mean, I hope he's doing good. Or like, yeah. oh, I heard he got that job. Or like, oh, right. I hope he, you know. Yeah, Vivi, just George, still kind of Matt, Pat's, you. I see all of y'all so much less than we used to because everyone's busy trying to make whatever happen. But I think about all of them and then there always comes the the point that it's like, yo, I've been thinking about you for two weeks now. And they're like, oh, wait, I've been thinking about you for two weeks. Yeah. Let's get together. It's it's like this this thing that kind of aligns in the stars. Um, dude, I would love to, to, uh, I would love to Joe Rogan this and talk for like five hours Why with you, but I, I have to, I have to cut it because I, my, my kids baby, are so, so younger time. than your kids. Man, can we do this <laughs> again? I was going to say, I'd love to make this maybe like a part one of two. I think we should. I think we should because this part one was very, um, heady. We, well, we had a lot of breaks, so we, we didn't get to jump in as, as much as we, uh, as much as we right. wanted to, but. Um, I feel like it's we you you got super warmed up and it was easy to dive into things that I really really want to expand and have a very relaxed time. Right. With. So I'd say we make this at least part one of two, maybe not more. We we had we used to have the idea for a podcast together. I know. And I think I think about that a lot actually. Like, why don't we just do that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. But anyway, yeah. I would say let's um. We can stop recording here, and then I'll just talk to you a bit uh, after. But yeah, sure. man, guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. And Matt, I'm really happy to have finally got you on, and and I thank know. you for sharing and being so open. And um, if it. you, whatever, if Matt sends me any links, they will be in the description below. And make sure to uh, check out his Instagram at Matthew Paul Martinez. Uh, all right, brother, let's uh, stop recording in. All right, you can say bye if you want. Also, <laughs> what's the button R? Uh, the R, yeah. yeah bye. Make sure you see you in part two, part three, part four. Let's count down together. You ready? Five, four, three, two, one.